0: Welcome to Much More Much Here with Pup Duffy and Kara Lane, an odd imagination production.
1: Today I am here with Dave Sheridan. Uh, well, let's just say what haven't you done? Because you're an actor, you're a comedian, you're a writer, you're a producer, and you're a musician. Um and you guys will know him from like if you if you're my age you'll know him from Bubble Boy and Scary Movie, um, who played Doofy in Scary Movie. Um, recently though, he's he's done a, a what's the Christmas Tapes
2: with yeah, uh, Greg
1: Sestero, Vernon Wells, um, which was written and directed by Randy Nundell Jr. and Robert Livings. Um, he plays Paranormal Perry in the anthology uh, The Christmas Spirit, and. Uh-huh. I have to say that it's like out of the whole anthology collection, yours is probably my favorite because I just sat there and I was talking to Randy about it and Infrared that he did, you know, in the past that I interviewed him for, he ad-libbed that whole thing. So then I came in here and I was like, did Dave ad-lib this whole thing? Because I'm sitting here looking at it like, what are you doing? And it was just cracking me up. And he's like, oh yeah, the whole thing was ad-libbed again. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I lost it. Um, when I, my favorite, absolute favorite scene in this and um, was when you were uh, <laughs> did a, a pentamus gram.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> that was like, I sat there and I just had to pause the show so that way I could laugh and not miss anything else because I'm sitting there like the camera goes back to you and you're sitting there like doing this whole thing and then you get up and you're just like ah it's my first pentamus, graham and I'm sitting here like I lost
2: it that you know and and that that actually took a lot for me to make that because they were like we, we were near the end of the day we actually shot the thing sort of in chronological order since we were improvising it all And really coming up with the storyline not the not the storyline of them losing their stuff you know um having to use some that she put up some um ornaments that she found in the house and then them calling a paranormal person and then the ending was always in place of hey they're gonna die and it's this it's the santa claus thing and all that stuff that obviously was that but that's it. it it fit on like five lines of a paper what my character was about or even like the the underpinnings of the married couple that's the stuff that myself and Ian and Devin were bringing you know coming up with and inter- inter- engaging with and stuff like that so but in terms of like that séance i know that Randy and Rob were like okay um we'll use some christmas lights and just make like a séance circle right and uh it was near the you know they It was like the days were getting, the day was getting longer. So it's like, okay, we're almost, we got to shoot this. But I was the one going like, no, no, wait. I want to see if I can make it a pentagram. You know what I mean? And, you know, you only have so much lights to work with. And I'm like, is this going to work? Nope. That's, and, you know, and it's like close enough. Okay. You know, so, uh, I, cause I'm OCD like that, where I was like, wait, I can make this work. Hold on, hold, you know, but working with Christmas lights already tangle up and stuff. So it was like so hard to get the little pentagram thing to work. And, uh, but I think it, it was worth that extra effort. That's the, the nice thing was that Randy and Rob were always patient enough to let me, to give me a moment to go and create whatever thing I was having in my mind. Like when I accidentally stepped on the I re-stepped on all that their their broken ornaments and then she said that was my grandmother's. You know, then I at lunch I came up with the idea of like, what if what if I dug through her garbage and tried to put that back together as a nice that present? Is, you know. That was
1: so great. Cause like I talked to Randy about that because that was my second favorite scene, was just and Randy was telling me, he was like, Yeah, we didn't even know what he was doing. We were like, Where'd he go? You know, looking for him and couldn't
2: find him. Well here's because here's what happened. It was like I had this idea and we were at lunch. We were like a reset. We ate lunch, and then there's some makeup reset and stuff like that. And uh since it was on the fly, it wasn't like anyone had like super glue, you know. But we we were in a rental home, we were in like an empty rental home that they were able to get. And the makeup artist had spirit gum. So I tried spirit gum and that wasn't working at all. And it actually didn't dry, so then it just became a and then I looked. In the garage, there was stuff in storage at these people's, the people that own the house. And they kept coming and going, what are you doing? Go, don't worry about it. I'm looking for, and I was opening up their things going, there's going to, I'm going to find caulk. I'm going to find super glue. I didn't. I did find tape, scotch tape. And I realized with my character how he was already unfolding. You know what I mean? He's sort of like a, the cable guy meets John Candy from, the uh, planes, trains, and automobiles meets what about Bob, you know, like a uh, Bill Murray character. And uh, so I was like, oh, it, it's kind of like that happy accident. No matter what it turns out to be coming from Paranormal and Perry, it, I, I realized the worse it looks, the better it's going to be. You know what I mean? And so, because originally my concept was I'm going to take super glue and really try to put it together right, you know? And then, since it was all messed up with the glue not sticking, and then the tape I just started raveling the stuff and just making it, it it just turned into the most god-awful looking thing and I'm like and then I said something like I, I took artistic liberty since I didn't know what it looked like before I, and she's like oh it's uh here's something it's beautiful uh so that's funny I'm, I'm glad that that he said like we didn't know what he was up to because when people watch that they might think that like there was a lot of stuff pre-written there really wasn't it was everything that my story uh when I picked up the ornament um really actually shocked me because something happened when i picked up the ornament that i wasn't expecting which was we were watching that tape and and i said where is that music coming from you know like and they were like oh it's coming from that ornament right because we watched the tape i didn't but i actually didn't know that the that the ornament was something you spin and it played like the little ding dang ding dang dang and it spun i just thought they when they made the, the the pre-existing tape that we played back because that was made prior you know um the playback I thought they did put the music in and this and but the story was it came from that so when I picked it up the wind was already wound down enough that the gravity wasn't making it play anymore but when you lifted it up the bass did then move a little bit more and it started going ding dang bang, ding ding it was just playing it a little creepy finishing it and I realized it like hit me but I was already going to tell my backstory and that's when I decided just to keep lightly spinning it so that it was playing this creepy version of that song the whole time you know what I mean and so those are those happy accidents that kind of come out but really when you stack up happy accidents as I call them or just things you're discovering when you stack them up then it starts to create the whole story you Know on top of what is already going to be funny, you know, so
1: right, and like that's the thing is like, and the, the incredible thing is, and for people who do not know his history or his backstory at all, um, he did intern with SNL, um, and he, you know, did the uh, the second city, uh, Chicago comedy troupe, which yeah. had. Wonderful people come from that, like Belushi, yep. you know, you had Alan Arkin, you had John Rivers, you had Dan Aykroyd, you had all mm-hmm. of these incredible uh, comedians that um, have come from that comedy troupe specifically. And yep. so um, if if you guys mm-hmm. love, 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 great <laughs> kind of ludicrous humor, the uh, Christmas spirit is gonna be the one that you're gonna wanna see. Um, Because your character comes in just all sorts of hot, messy, and it is the best thing ever. And I'm sitting here like, because I've I've seen you in other movies, and I'm just I love your comedic timing. I love the range in which you can you can you've got such excellent range. Um, and so seeing you in something like this, where it was just you never knew what you were gonna do. Yeah, it was it was the best thing ever. Because he's sitting there like peering into the window of the door and being all creepy. And I'm sitting here like, is he gonna come in? Is he gonna stay out? Like, so you're always, I like that about your character is you're always guessing what right. is gonna happen.
2: Yeah, and and I think Devin and, and uh, Ian were guessing too, you know, and, and, and also <laughs> Rob, Rob and, uh, you know, Randy probably were like, what the heck's going on? I like, here's the thing, obviously, Most of the stuff that happened really just came from me and we were just, and and I love the fact that they were letting me just go. Um, So I'll tell you an instance, like for instance, when it was like questionable, am I living in my car and stuff like that? A lot of that stuff comes from sort of truth because I drove seven hours the night before to come up to set and I left the Los Angeles area at 10 p.m. because i wanted to bypass any chances they shot we shot in sacramento i was like i don't want to sit in traffic you know so i'd rather hang here watch another movie or whatever and i i'm i'm cool with driving at night Uh, i didn't realize though that when you get up in this one stretch of california it's a two-lane highway and at two in the morning it's only 18 wheelers up, up hills where you know they're all going slow but there's that one guy it's like I think I can pass them and now you're both going slow so I and I had a Prius and I was weaving in and out very dangerously because as it got later and later I just wanted to get there so I rolled in around 3 30 to the hotel that they got me I didn't check in though I, I should have called ahead and said is someone going to be there it was one of these holiday and expresses where there was nobody at the front the doors were locked the only way you could get in is if you were already checked in with a key it would let you in so i was like oh no <laughs> and my call time was 8 a.m which meant like well i really got to get up at 7 anyway uh so i'm looking it's 3 7. i'm like oh, what is that two and a half hours three and a half hours i was like i might as well just go sleep in my car you know and um, because by the time i look around to find another hotel that might have a human there. And then I pay out of pocket. And then I, it was just like, by the time that happens, I'll turn around and, and I just paid for something that I'm getting an hour of sleep. Uh, so really where that whole living in his car came from, <laughs> that was because I was just sort of like, it's fresh in my mind. And I told them all about it and, and they, they, and they're, they're so like, uh, flexible going like that should be his story He slipped he lives in his car you know what i'm saying so we was, we went with it but honestly that little thing is what propelled everything else after that you know like well who is this guy living in his car why is he the only one they could get showing up at christmas time you know what i mean who is who's so alone at christmas time that he's working you know and and that's why I, and i knew i was gonna play it so goofy and i wouldn't say it was goofy but so off the wall and so kind of like you know, the idea was like, we'd rather have the ghost here than the paranormal activity guy, you know what I mean? The ghost hunter, he's, he's bugging us out more than the ghost, you know? So, um, that's when I came up with the idea of like, well, they, we don't want to make them look less educated. You know, you, 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 if I'm the weird one and they have to be at the top of their intelligence. And it, to me, it was like, what did they see that they hired me? You know, and I was like, "Well, they didn't hire me. They they sought out a guy named Mitch, who actually had a great website and came with great reviews. And Mitch is out of town; he's on vacation because he's normal. He has a life. And he has a family. And he's like in Mexico, you know, you know, like Acapulco, joining Christmas. And, and uh, so that's how they end up with me. You know, like it would be. It would try to make a. You know, I just wanted to make it more, and it's not like logical, but just kind of give a. a sort of like an idea that there's a no there's a no doubt that they're not so dumb that they would hire this guy you know a benefit you know
1: right. Kind of the- right and see like the thing that gets me though is your character while kind of a little off the rails in the weird department um I absolutely loved him because you could sit there and see like that person has a heart of gold. Like they are a genuine, real, caring person that feels very deeply. And the complexity of the layers of the character that you gave them just ad-lib wise is is like mind blowing because Yeah. yeah, he does have his moments like where he tosses the bell and you know, that cracked me up, you know, like, well, I don't need this, you know. but but he's got the quirky he's like your quirky uncle that you absolutely love and adore and is the sweetest kindest person and and then you sit there and you look at him and be like but you're you're a hot mess my dude you know like and that's what i loved about your character um
2: we actually talked i told them afterwards i said i think we found something here we should try to like develop this into a full movie you know what i'm saying like because um because christmas they need more Christmas films. And this is a great one, this anthology. I know we're going to do more on that, but I, I like my whole thought was like, you know, and it would never be that he's threatening, but the idea of like, if you made a movie like this, a, a feature, it would be something like there's misunderstandings and things that they, things that happened or occurred look as if he's now a threat to them, but he he wasn't, you know what I mean? He was actually trying to be helpful and it's just kind of like a series of, because he's a little bumbling or he made a mistake or what? you know what I'm saying? But never really, from the audience perspective, they we you could twist it where there's slightly like, ooh, is he? But uh, at the same time, it would just be funnier to hit the people inside the house harder story-wise that they feel he's a threat, but you watching would be like, oh, poor Perry, he's really misunderstood, you know what I'm saying? So that the audience is watching, they do always like him and want to see the happy ending with him or the Christmas ending. You know, I think the, the Christmas spirit is a great title for sure. You know, like that's the version of our, our, the title of our short. Um, I, and I would say that like, one thing was I, I just like how, you know, I was, I wasn't able to get on your first call and then I was picking up my kid from lacrosse and so, you know, one other podcast go asked me, like, how do you prepare for roles and stuff? And I do like to do some sort of research and prepare. And I don't watch these, you know, the ghost hunting reality shows. Uh, I haven't seen Ghostbusters since, like, 1980, whenever it came out, you know. And um, I wasn't, I wasn't, like, keen on all the terminology of the apparatuses and the machineries or whatever ghost terminology I should have known. And that also came into play of why, okay, I should play an idiot then because I'm just going to make up stuff, you know what I mean? I'm not going to have any legitimate ver- verbiage because I didn't have time to look it up and put it on a little crib sheet and, you know, get a quick like, okay, I know the terminology that people see that on these a you know, uh, true TV ghost hunting shows, which they're making that crap up too, by the way, so there there is no, the, whatever you know, the ectogram stuff. It's like, you know, like wh- whatever they're calling is probably not real anyway. I don't think it's all legit, in my opinion. You know what I mean? I don't think you know, the, the ghost hunting thing is, I believe in spirits. I believe in energies, but I don't think we have a way of really like, hold on, we're, we're dialing it in. You know, we got, we're, we're in touch with them. So I remember I, I was just saying, we're going to put an image capture, image capture device here, image capture device here. I was calling, it's just a camera. And I was saying image capture device. And that was what I feel like Rob and Randy, they actually made, they accentuated the funny I was doing because trust me, what you saw was only 50% of what we spit out, you know? So if I was diarying at the mouth, they, they were able to edit it into a, a, a much funnier and concise story, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of stuff you might've found funny was a lot of, to do with their timing of their edit it's not just me um and one place you could see that is where I'm doing the image capture device stuff and then when they go to show those cameras with the whole record and all the date and stuff it says image capture device one image capture device two so I thought that was that's my funny I I was like that is one of the my funnier moments that I like and that was really them you know what I mean they were like oh let's call them image capture devices like he labeled them you know so
1: Right. And Randy was telling me that they had so much footage just off of like your story that they could have done a full feature film. And um, so he was telling me he was like, yeah, I think we're discussing maybe bringing Perry, uh, Paranormal Perry back for like a, a feature length film, which would be exciting. Right. And like they were talking about doing um, the owner's manual versus Paranormal Perry kind of thing as well um just to see how you guys would play off of each other you and greg um
2: right
1: and i came up with this brilliant idea and i was like you know what i would like to see you know how like jackass had like bad grandpa or dirty grandpa or whatever where johnny would go out there and do that i would love to see paranormal perry just take a trip into home depot or lowe's (laughs) and and do stuff you know just i would watch him just do normal things like the office style show and just filming him going to clients' houses or whatever you know just right. to see I think it, it there's so much potential with this character that I think he could go really far
2: you know like if we keep it more of an improvised and found footage if the feature film has that improvised found footage look that we could cross over into this sort of meta thing of where well now you know, when he's buying all this crap or going to the storage unit, uh, that's just a real storage unit. And I really have to break into it. And uh the guy behind the counter is a legit guy, you know what I mean? That doesn't realize uh that it's a feature film, you know what I mean? So right. That's, like that's that-
1: exactly what I'm thinking. I'm sitting here like, you know, there would be so much fun potential there just because right. you 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 are so quick witted, you think on your feet so fast. And I'm sitting here like, I would just pay to see you run around in these situations being this character trying to figure out in general normal life stuff
2: <laughs> he yeah. didn't have all
1: of these unfortunate circumstances you know like a martin shorts movie um where he was very unlucky that was one of my favorite ones because it didn't matter what he did some like he'd sit in a chair the chair he'd pick would break and fall over and i'm sitting here like that reminded me so much of paranormal perry is like you know very
2: unlucky in what was the this? sense of he's what is what was martin short's movie what was it called he's from second city by the way they're all they all are
1: oh pure luck that's what it's called pure luck 1991
2: yeah i'm always looking for um movies to watch that i haven't seen ever obviously from that are funny but with my kids because we've we've watched them all and it's sort of like what's another comedy what's another comedy we can watch because yeah. we did just watch and Ron, it was him and uh, Kurt uh, Russell, Kurt Russell. It was pretty good, I, I like that one. And, and again, that one was around that same time. That was, when you say 1991, that's when I was wrapping up at Saturday Night Live and then I was at the Second City. And that was the sort of period of my beginning early 20s where I realized there was a black hole of going to see movies that I didn't see because you have to remember at that time, there wasn't streaming. I was broke, so I was the poor, struggling artist, you know, like living on a little mattress, uh, washing dishes at Second City, and so I didn't go to movies, and I didn't pay for that. Hold on, what? Yeah. Oh, my wife said that's what I do now. Yeah, I know, but but I'm saying back then. Now I'm I'm doing the same thing. Uh, it's bookended. It's beautiful life. It's bookended life. Thanks, hon. Um, so, yeah, but. So I, I, you know, you had to. There was the video store. You had to, to rent stuff. So I, I, I realized in the '90s I didn't. It's funny when I was actually generating and studying uh, theater and, and performing at Second Theater. It's it's funny how I got away from actually watching any movies, you know, or TV shows because we didn't have cable. We didn't even have a TV where I lived. It was <laughs> had a mattress. So.
1: Yeah, that's an incredible story too, like how you've managed to, and I was talking to uh, Casper Van Dien's wife, Jennifer, and she left Tennessee at 19 and went to Hollywood and worked um, at the Chinese theater as a Wonder Woman. And I'm sitting here like, you, your passion, your determination, and your drive, you know, helped you you know, get and meet those people to help you with your career and, and help you become who you are today. And it's really, I love talking to people like you guys, because it, it, everybody looks at Hollywood and they're just like, okay, well, that's so far out of reach. That's this job is so far out of reach. I can't do it. And they don't even try. They don't, they, because they're so, I guess, scared and worried. And, um, So they don't even because they think it's so far out of their reach. So I love talking to, you know, like people like you and and Jennifer, who who literally had, you know, just the clothes on their back or, you know, just a mattress. And they're like, you know what, I'm going to do this and I don't care what it takes.
2: It's going to happen. So that's awesome. I think, you know, I think for me. I benefited from the fact that I couldn't do anything else. I'm really, I was terrible. I was a D student and and have a very poor reading. I can barely type. It's like, uh, you know, um, I would be fired from any regular job. And I have been fired from a lot of them. So, yeah. So that also is a good driving point of like, well, there's nothing else I can do. So.
1: Right. Well, I, I, I do have to ask um, just because I, I've, I, I see some of your mannerisms. I see how you are. Are do you do you have ADHD or anything? Yeah,
2: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Cause see, I do too, and right. that's one of those things that I was. School was not for me. It just right. it wasn't, yeah. um, and I couldn't. I struggled, and then you know, of course, you've got the smart but lazy. If they just applied themselves more,
2: right.
1: you know, that whole storyline that hits all of us ADHDers. Yeah.
2: He's not being challenged enough. it's like, yeah. hold on. What? Are, what? Or having a really nice hotel room in such a, Okay, okay, got it. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That was later on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but this that's was a, not far after. Not far
2: after, yeah. Yeah. My wife had a career. My wife had a corporate job, and. uh So when I was living on mattresses and stuff, she transferred and they put her up in a really nice hotel and I stayed there too. So I got it. What a sweet wife. For three weeks. Yeah. Three weeks. Three weeks. Big deal. Hey, what time is your podcast? (laughs) Okay. Save it for yours. Save it for her. She doesn't have a podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, that's, that's, that's really, it's really sad to see. How, like, and I've talked to many people who have ADHD, and we all have the same struggles. We've all been told the same things. We've all been treated the same way. Um, and it's one of those things that it's like if we were just told when we were, you know, younger, if like whenever we were diagnosed or whatever, uh, if we were just told when we were younger that we were starting halfway back. From the starting line while well, everybody else was at the starting line and then we were always trying to circle around to try to catch up to everybody like yeah. we were working 10 times harder and still not getting to where we needed to be yeah. um it would save so much grief i think <laughs> in people's lives right so um yeah. i would like to ask you about your band van stone
2: yeah. are you still doing that no, we're we're completed on on. I started that, um, you know, like if you really go back all the way. In fact, I have this tape here. This 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 right here. It's so funny that because I've been doing so many of these promotional things, so I got this out to talk to somebody else. And the only reason I'm out here is because it's we're doing the Christmas tapes. So I'm like, let's get the Christmas tree, and otherwise, I'm in my office. They don't, My kids and family don't like. You see, I get bothered if I start talking stuff. But uh, th- so this. Is a VHS tape wrap. This was my first uh, anthology, so to speak. It was called Dave Sheridan, America Million, and it was all of my shorts that I shot in college, and also while I was at the Second City, and then my characters that I created and stuff like that. And you can you see like those are all real licenses, by the way. I used to go around to the country. I have a Texas one right there, actually. Yeah. And
1: and I love your I love I love your mullet, very Texas.
2: The Doug from Ghost World, but we were in Austin shooting a feature film of that character under the name of Stuart. So on this tape is Stuart. And then like Doofy from Scary Movie, on this tape, there's two shorts of me playing that character, but it's Chip. His name was Chip. This was all shot in 1991. Uh, And then it was... The, the internet didn't exist in the manner, there was some emails and chat rooms at that time, uh, but the streaming and stuff like that. So the way stuff went viral was, you know, people taking videotapes and then dubbing them. And I run into people go, I think I have a third generation of this or a, a fourth dub of this, you know what I mean? And um, I still have a, a bunch of these because what I did was I made this self, I self like distributed my my movie basically um, but really, it was more because there was no access. There wasn't YouTube, so this is the way I was able to go into Comedy Central, to MTV, to whoever it was all the managers, all the agencies, and literally drop these on desks. You know, I mean, I would just throw them places. If I was at a bar, I would put some like you know, like Jerry's Deli was always a place where people were hanging out, or any kind of Beverly Hills. Uh, you know, diner or something like that, late night place, uh, I would just put them, like, on the... uh, I didn't know who they ended up in. You just you see what I'm saying? Uh, And then people are like, what is this? You know, I mean, it's provocative on the back, so it's sort of like... And then I... There's a lot of good Second City actors in here, Amy Sedaris, Mitch Rouse, Ian Roberts, uh, Horatio Sands, you know what I mean? Like, there's people on here. So if they saw that, they'd be like... uh, Go home, pop it in, and that's actually how the Scary Movie thing came about. Was there was an executive at Miramax that somehow got this? He watched it, saw the chip ones. They called me and said, "We love your chip character. We think he'd fit perfect for Doofy in Scary Movie." So it does. You know there were there's other angles to get in the door, and at that time, this was my thought of how to do it. Like, let me just put this out and have that's it. That's absolutely brilliant. That's brilliant. With that said, all of this stuff was me, what I called guerrilla Theater at the time. I took my characters that I had on stage at Second City and it was a Super 8 camera. Back then it was Super 8, that was the smallest one I got. But I also did uh, go and rent hidden cameras and stuff. This is all me playing characters in reality. You know, I'm just interfacing and interacting with whatever my character was, I, po- I would pop up into that world. So like the Doofy character, the reason his name was Chip was I would go to Goodwills and uh, Salvation Army and just thrift shop, funny, you know, clothes that were like, oh, my God, this is great. Oh, look at this. And I found a Chevron shirt and it said Chip. And I was like, I already had my character. And I'm like, oh, what if I take that character? I rename him Chip because that's what the badge said. And I just show up at a Chevron as Doofy. In that when people are pumping gas and I had a you know I got a bucket with muddy water and like a squeegee and it was doofy but imagine him in the chevron hat and you can't wash your windows washing your windows and they'd be like oh thank you because they would look and go oh he's got a little mental challenge going on he must be like the nephew of the owner or something like they're letting him pretend he works here and I'm like checking your tires. And they'd be like, thank you. There's polite up until I like reached in and popped the hood, you know? And I was like, okay, I'm going to like, look at the oil and your spark plugs. And they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, and they're looking around, like, where's the guy? Where's the normal guy that works here? You know what I'm saying? Cause it was a self-serve. It was a self-serve, like, you know, like, you know how nowadays 99% of the gas stations do not have a guy that's going to wash your windows and, you know, there's no full service hardly anywhere. If you go to New Jersey though, I think the rule is the law is they gotta pump your gas still. So um,
1: Yeah, they still have them in New Jersey. Yeah it's the dying breed right there. They're the last ones to go.
2: Yeah, that's you know, hey, it's the mafia. You know what I'm saying? It's the family, you know, they gotta they they, they got rules in place. Yeah. <laughs> they- I'll have to ask
1: Casper about that. Be like, is is it the is it the Jersey Mafia, like the gas company Jersey Mafia that that makes sure that that job sticks around Absolutely,
2: because 100%. <laughs> yeah. he would know. <laughs> it's not a job though, it's about the cash. When yep. you're when there's a guy there, then he could be like, hey, you know, this is the cash price, and now you hand me the cash, and then I bump it for you. And now that's not something we have to report. Now at least they they figured out a way to, to go. Well, we're still making thirty percent of what we don't have to report. So
1: yeah,
2: I'm from Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to this being, like, immersive in reality, which led to, that was what led to Dave Sheridan's America, which was a pilot I did for MTV, which then turned into Buzzkill, which was a hidden camera show, which then segued into punk and Jackass, who, were, you know, when Bam was 14 or 15, he, he's from Westchester, Pennsylvania, I, I was in the circles Of him coming up and he would sleep on my floor as a young kid and uh, you know I want to be like you want to shoot your stuff like that and I went actually and shot his helped uh, produce his first skate video called CKY on land speed um, wheel it was called wheelie co land speed that my friend had a a skateboard wheel and he sponsored band so um, with that said though then there was like the development went into like Borat you know what I mean? Borat, and I think he, I don't remember the other one he did, but Ali uh, uh, G, um, which was like a f- going long form of a character in reality. You know, and so I wanted to do something that would be really challenging, really hard to pull off, but something that was like I need to blow that out of the water. And so in 2003, that's when I said I created this character, Randy Van Stone, and then immersed myself in a rock and roll band. But we shot the whole thing from day one. And for 10 years, we went out on tour, on stage, big shows, small shows, really in vans, really on flights, you know what I'm saying? And, um, but I, pre-re- I pre-programmed certain things in my story arc for the character that would happen on stage at any given time. So once I got that off, check, because what I would do is we would lock off cameras and then I had one or two guys that could shoot with me usually, but when we're on the road, I would also just bring... A Tupperware container of charged, you know, cameras, seven or eight little $300 handy cams. And I would give those out to just fans and say, just shoot just shoot." So they actually didn't know what I had planned, whether I'm getting shot or arrested or, you know, showing up too drunk to play or, you know, getting attacked by a super fan, whatever it was, they didn't know. So a lot of the times they're not even focused on it or it, and it really, as we're editing it, it really creates this, like, what the hell's going on? Because, you know, we were able to collect the cameras. And I haven't even dived into looking on YouTube yet or sort of like putting something out there if anybody's got stuff, because this was during an age where people were with their phones shooting. So, um, but I have plenty of footage, but we got to the point. So in 2003 and 2000, uh nine to 13 that's when we just started doing a few more like okay i just need this to finish it i need this little scene and i haven't shot anything since 2014 so it was about 10 and it was about 11 years of footage and then i started editing and then life my regular job which is me acting and stuff but i had to earn money you know what i mean i've got kids and stuff and i started building a house there was a lot of the last 10 years have sort of in some, there's something, there's some sort of energy keeping me away from finishing it because it is, uh, it's like putting a documentary together of 10 years of footage. It's it's overwhelming maybe to me and that's my ADHD. It also is a big problem with it. Um, but everyone else involved is like, when are you going to finish it? When are you going to finish it? This thing could be great. The one thing I know is that the older it gets, the more reality patina is put onto it. So Literally, you see us at Warped Tour in 2003. It's now 2023. So I'm literally sitting on footage for a movie that's 20 years old. And one of the things that inspired me to do this was Spinal Tap, obviously. I was like, oh, I want to do a Spinal Tap set in reality. But the the same year that I watched Spinal Tap, which was like 82, 83, was the same year I watched, um, because at that point, I was like 14 years old. And it was the same year that I watched Woodstock, the documentary from Woodstock, which was 1969. So you have to understand that footage was only 13 years old, Woodstock. And when I watched it, though, at age 14, it was such a foreign world. Like, I look back and it was like, wow, that's what the world used to be like. So part of me is like, if we're at 2023, I wonder if this footage from 2013 is to a 13-year-old who would be born 10 years after we shot the footage they might just go this is a different world and then it what i want to do is kind of blur the lines of to you're going to know you're going to know you're going to know who i am and that it's not real there is some stuff that's real but it's this sort of muddy thing of what's not real what's real you know what i mean the interaction but to a 14 year old kid that's just starting to get into music and stuff he might discover this and go no this is real this guy must be real so um, Hopefully I pull it off someday, but I did tell the people the longer it goes, the older the footage gets and the more kind of confusing it is of what is this? Is it real? So I'm not in any rush. Um, But I would say I really want to get it done in 2023 because there's like six other castmates in that film that are now no longer here that have passed away. So it's, yeah, that's, it's, so I, they didn't get to see and some of them gave some amazing performances. So I do want to, Finish it for them, so hopefully hopefully I will
1: that's exciting, and you're right about the um I, I you're right about the um the patina of that whole time frame I mean if you think about it in ninety one like I mean we were around in that age, but you sit there and you look at the phones and the culture of that era, right, and you're just like it doesn't seem like it's been that long, like that time frame is insane. Right. So I, that's, that would be incredible. And I, I hope that you do at some point, whenever the stars and the moon align for you, you finish that up because I would love to see that.
2: Yeah, no, it, it, it's going to get finished. And if it's not me, then somebody else will. I I've, I've made sure I've got the the all of the footage backed up, backed up, backed up. There's so many different drives. So if something happens to me in the next year, then I know that maybe somebody will, will pick it up and finish it post whatever that word is postmortem. <laughs> oh, there
1: you go. There you go. Well, it's okay. You, you've got a, a bunch of great people around you that I'm sure would love to do that. So that's exciting. Yeah. Um, well, do you have any other projects or anything that's coming up?
2: That is a great question, and I, I appreciate you asking that. Um, so if anybody's made it this far, and I hope, you, hope I wasn't too, you know, rambling, and this is what I do, man. Uh, you, you watch Paranormal Fair, you're like, man, he's making stuff up, but I also, that's because I talk a lot, and I'm all over the place. But um, I have a film we're going to make at the end of January. Uh, it's called New Fears Eve, and it takes place on New Year's Eve. It's it's kind of fitting that I just did the Christmas tapes and now I'm new, now I'm moving into a New Year's Eve horror movie. and I guess like the next one will be Valentine's Day horror movie. Right. And uh, but we're actually actively funding it through the independent crowdfunding um, way, which is on Indiegogo. And so the campaign is active right now. It's called New Fears Eve. And you could go to Indiegogo and check it out. And um what drew me to that, I was actually approached by the writers and directors. We're shooting it in Kentucky, and I was uh, approached by them, and I saw the killer. The main killer is a plague doctor mask, and I always, I've always, i always seen that plague doctor outfit mask. I'm like, how is that not an iconic sort of horror character? You know what I'm saying? And so they already had it written, and they already had their own version of the character created and, like, literally made by an artist and stuff. So I'm like, I'm in. And I'm helping them raise money on Indiegogo. And um, I've been involved in other Indiegogo movies as an actor, but I've never actually like uh, been involved with the actual campaign, so to speak. But one thing that I always liked about the Indiegogos that in the past that I've been a part of is they always have a first edition, limited edition Blu-ray that the director puts out himself to, as a deliverable that you can pre-purchase blu-ray but it's not just a blu-ray you're really getting a a limited edition just like this i made probably a thousand of these they're probably gonna make 500 first edition blu-rays it has completely different artwork actors like myself and um the other actors involved they sign it so you're getting a signed blu-ray and then the the credits are probably different the artwork's different the cut the edit might be completely different than when it gets sold to a distributor and then there's usually deleted scenes and extras that are not included on like the distributors version of the blu-ray so that for the price point if you're somebody that likes collecting physical media and stuff like that go check that out and pre-buy a blu-ray of this film because what i like about it is they're they really are limited edition first edition and in five years you won't be able to, it would be a rare, it's, a, it's more of a rare kind of collector's piece automatically,
1: so. That's incredible, and I love those kinds of things, I think it's just because like I'm an 80s child, and we it, got a lot of those kinds of things, it's like the nostalgia bit, like you're sitting there r- holding your tape, but I'm sitting here like, I I need a copy of that now, <laughs> like I need a copy that's, that's wrapped, and will stay wrapped and pretty, like I don't even need to see what's in it. Uh, I,
2: I, I, these will be offered I, I think I don't know I got to count how many I have it's probably three boxes so I don't know how many are in a box but I, I'm guessing I got about 50 I'm going to do another Indiegogo probably in March the, the, and the other reason I got involved with this one was to kind of learn a little bit about it to understand because we were just talking about the Van Stone movie and that that film's called The Last of the Rock Gods and um, that's what it'll be entitled and, but I have another one that I just met with some some, I'm not gonna name the comedians, but something hit me the other day. I was like, and this is my ADHD again, instead of finishing that project, but I, I always have ideas that are sort of more like this one's timely. Like I said, Van Stone, that can wait. The older it gets, the crazier the, the night, the weirder the footage is gonna get. But this one was really timely in today's culture. Because everyone's always like, Oh, you should make another scary movie, or you should do another scary movie type thing. And uh I just never knew what like the point of view would be or what the entry point is or why I would make it. And I'm not talking about scary movie like a spoof of scream or a horror movie. I believe they're saying more like do another balls out, funny, spoofy, you know, there isn't enough of those out there, you know. And one of the reasons is is that Keenan was always saying, if you're going to do parody, you have to have it you have to have the thing you're parodying be so well known in the culture that enough people that it's broad enough that people are going to get what you're flipping on its side do you know what i'm saying and uh for instance all those marvel superhero movies and stuff you could parody that you could do a spoof of that and everyone would understand it because there have been enough of them but then go back to my teacher and ivory waynes is if you're going to shoot a parody of something it has to look as good as what you're parodying. And those are $200 million movies, $250 million. So you can never really properly spoof a Marvel superhero movie because it'll look too cheap and it won't be, it won't get people to go, that's awesome. So throw that out the door. Mine though, like it hit me the other day, there's so much cancel culture going on and, and I see a news story, a news story, a news story. And it seems like so many names have been canceled over the last five years and some of them are coming back and um I just thought that would be it's a great title I was like canceled movie and that's my that's gonna be my movie canceled movie and it's I'm literally getting the comedians and these are comedians from all sides and comedians big name comedians comedians to say what what is some of the material that you could not say that you can't you feel like you can't you you couldn't get produced you could not do this sketch or you couldn't say this routine because of fear of getting canceled. Well, give it like, you know, be a contributor to this anonymously and we'll make canceled movie. And this is all going to be material that people had in their ideas. You know what I mean? I'm not going to name names, but like, they may be like, you know what I always wanted to do was this, but I couldn't. Right. You know, I'm like, well, we're going to shoot it. We're going to do it. And you can, you're not, you know, you could sit in the back, you know what I mean? And be, there's a there's a there's a credit everyone gets called alan smithy do you know do you know what alan smithy is so that would be the concept is it's canceled movie produced by alan smithy written by alan smithy directed by alan smithy starring alan smithy featuring alan smithy and introducing alan smithy soundbite you know what i mean so that's the joke
1: yeah we'll see and that's that that's that's really fun because you've got you've got comedians like dave Chappelle. exactly can push that envelope and isn't scared to push that envelope uh but then you've got other ones who are really really good and you know that they are terrified to push that envelope you know like and and dave chappelle is probably one of my favorites just because he is part of that old school comedy that just is like i'm gonna do it the way that I want to do it and I don't care you know what anybody says because this is and and he pushes the envelope just also talking about culture and things like that like he's not afraid to talk about things
2: it's easy not to be afraid and you can look at the people that and I'm not saying I agree with anything people are saying and some people like Kanye is is certifiably insane unfortunately he needs to be he's he does he has way worse than ADHD right He's bipolar. There's some schizophrenia going on and he needs to get some meds. And um, but I also feel like he has so much success and he realizes so much, you know, you get that much success, that many people are clawing at you. And it's just too much. It would drive a person. There's a reason why Kurt Cobain and these uh, rock and roller people end up there, you know, or other famous people. But it always is rock and rollers. A lot of times they're struggling artists. They're controlled by a giant machine and eventually just can't take it anymore and that's how they act out and they commit suicide or something and um you know i think that some of those artists that have committed suicide it, you have to understand they don't want to do that but they're like i can't take it anymore in my life i i if i if this is the only life i can have then i don't want it that's that's what that's about it's not like wow he was depressed he should have got help it's like right. He, There was no exit. There was no exit except for that. Out of that, you know, they
1: and that's what happened, like, you know, with Robin Williams and and his and his, you know, diagnosis of you know, and and him getting more advanced in the Alzheimer's and dementia and stuff, like not being able to function as well as what he used to. And that was his life. So if if that's his life and he can't do that anymore,
2: right, then what is life
1: anyway? Leave my
2: brain and my head to go to, Puerto, you know, to hang out in Puerto Rico. No, he was, uh, there was no giving away from his brain and his head at that point. You know, it's, he's, you can't. Right.
1: Are you on any social medias at all so people can find you and follow you?
2: Eh, not really. Um, There is a TikTok. I think I've posted 12 things on there. I don't know the next time I'm going to post something. And on Instagram, um, a site that I'm I can log into and see is called is the new fears eve official but there there's a a kid every one of these has some sort of um internet person that's helping that posts stuff for me so I see that people like write things you know like they don't answer any of that and then I'm like oh my gosh I just saw this it's been like four months that I'll go in and go oh let me see if there's any messages but I it's it's I don't know I don't I'm not a fan of all that social media stuff. It's just too much. You know what I mean? And that, and then it's like, there's this. And I'll tell you what it was was when I started Van Stone, MySpace was just starting out. And me and the other guys running it, we invested a lot into MySpace before the band to build it up. And then all of a sudden I turned around and MySpace was gone. And it was like Facebook. And I was like, oh no, 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 no. I'm not. Like and everyone's like, you know, you oh no, we're not over at MySpace anymore. You gotta go start a Facebook. And I was like, mm, I'm done. Like the, I didn't even get that far. You know what I'm saying? I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna go. Well, no, it's not Facebook, it's Instagram. again. Well, no, no, it's Snapchat now. No, 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 it's it's uh it's TikTok. No, 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 <laughs> it's crap chat, you know, like <laughs> you can find me on Friendster. I'm still on Friendster and that's it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's like where I'm at because I'm a writer and yeah. So, I, you know, to build the brand, you want to do, you know, social media and stuff like that. And I'm sitting here like, and since, you know, I was, I built up a good brand on Twitter. I was doing really good there. And then things kind of went crazy. And now everybody's like fleeing Twitter to go to like these other social medias. So you've got like Mastodon, Hive, all of these things. And I'm sitting here like what are we doing like why yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah. i mean the only thing i would say is i don't understand And if somebody out there knows of this app i don't know why there's not an aggregate one app that basically you know just like they did with the euro over in europe it's like okay there's a euro it's, it's a unified currency so that if you had all these that way it's like okay i've got tiktok instagram linkedin you know facebook Uh, insta, you know, whatever they are, Snapchat, you know, Vine, what you know, and then they go away, don't come away. Maybe it could just be one site if I could just go and it all just goes to one, uh, you know, alias type of thing that I can go and post and look instead of right have go to a bunch of different apps, you know what I'm saying? So,
1: we're gonna go ahead and call this copyrighted material right here for you. Yeah, that way, if somebody steals it, you can take this to court and be like. That was my idea.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's yeah. a great idea.
2: Yeah, I think that is the future. Just to let you know, the future is going to have to be where, um, and I think you know one of these other social media sites that is going to fold. They already have the infrastructure. It's really about server space. It's about server space, and that's actually kind of MySpace could have did that, but like it just didn't have. It was, you know, the idea of MySpace maybe could be reborn in a sense that like you have server space you you're you're given us just like you get an iCloud account where it's like you get 15 gigs of of storage and or you know google you get 15 gigs of storage you can sign on to this thing and you get a certain amount of service you know service space where you can basically use that however you want to you know um so in a unix way meaning it's it's legos it's a connected it's, it's like Build your own sort of, you can have Instagram and have all these outlets, but it's like one place is yours. And it's just basically, it looks the way you want it to look and you could type anything you want. And it just goes up all of them, you know, at, at one time. So
0: that
1: sounds
2: I know, like a dream world. I know there are things that connect like Facebook and Instagram together, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't know of one that connects your Instagram with TikTok, maybe does. it does. You know, I don't think it should be made so complicated. You know, what I'm saying? no, I
0: agree,
1: I yeah. agree, and I like that idea. I think that is the way of the future. And if it isn't, then in the
2: future, you need to create this. I'm excited to see what those guys do next, Randy and Rob, and uh, you know, to be quite honest, like this film came out really well for the budget, that the way they shot it. You know, it's just running gun with cameras, and I know it's been done before, but this one, man, you know, it it always is anybody can get cameras, anybody can edit on their laptop. So it really does come down to those two guys executing it and they did a great job. Um, it's being released. Uh, and, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not supposed to say what it costs, but you can imagine when you're just shooting with a bunch of video cameras in a house, it's not that much money. So, um, so hats off to them. And I'm, ex- I'm proud to be a part of this. It's actually, you know, I, I, I wasn't that proud when we were shooting it. I didn't know, but (laughs) now that it's out and people say they like it, I'm really proud of it.
1: (laughs) Now you're in, you're all in. Um, No, yeah, that was, um, I don't really care for found footage because like, I think the first found footage big thing was the Blair Witch Project. And then that was just like, uh, but um, I don't really care for it. And then I watched Infrared and I was like, you know, With found footage, it's usually just found footage. There is no underlying complex storyline, emotional anythings, really. It's just all for the jump scares and the shaking the cameras. And so when I was watching Infrared for the first time, I was like, really enjoyed their style of filming and their story style. And the fact that they give the freedom to the actors and actresses to you know, really shine with their character as their character in their mind is instead of dictating what that character is and who they are. I feel like made it feel more real and genuine because that was really coming from the actor themselves. They're the ones that created that character. So I really enjoy their style of filmmaking and the fact that they allow creatives to be creative.
2: Yeah. Exactly. definitely yeah. really the key to anything is, you know, that's something I learned from Keenan. Uh, I learned a lot from Keenan Ivory Wayne's. Uh, you know, he kind of like mentored me on because he knew I would. Wa- he saw these things, so he was like, "You're a filmmaker. You're a writer." He knew he knew my history, and he was like, "You're not just. Oh, I'm just not just hiring an actor here." So he took me under his wing and always would talk me through stuff and walk me through filmmaking stuff and, and stuff. And one of the things is when he hires a DP, when he hires the actors, when he hires the wardrobe, the set decorator, whoever it is, he hires people that he hired them because he already knows they could do their job. And he, and he wants them to bring the best of their ability to their job. He wants them to bring the creative, whether it's the set designer, or the wardrobe, or the actor. He doesn't want to shut it down. He wants to flourish it. And so he's hired them because he believes in them and he lets them go. He lets them bring stuff. You know what I mean? He doesn't want to have a, a crew that is afraid to be, take creative liberties, you know, and make decisions on their own and bring stuff to them. So that's, you know, ultimately why Scary Movie is still watchable and you watch it. It's just because, man, like it, it, he enabled all the pistons of the creativity of the people in their jobs and their lanes and what their forte is. You know what I mean? He let them just go. So,
1: yeah, I hope, I hope um, more people start doing that. So thank you for talking with me today. Thank I you. I
2: appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you from so a, much. From a fellow come, squirrel to another squirrel. Yeah. And I'll be like, like you have my info now. So like, I'll come back on again. Like uh, we'll talk about New Fears Eve or something like that. When we yeah. start shooting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Anytime you got a project you want to talk about, you just hit me up and we'll we'll schedule a time. It'll be great.
0: It'll be
2: fun. So- Thank you so much.
0: This has been an Odd Imagination production. Here at Odd Imagination, you'll find book, film, television, and product reviews, as well as roundtable discussions, current events, and hot topics. We are advocates for equality and the freedom to be who you are, no matter what. Odd Imagination gets its name from autism and imagination, two things that are very important to us. If you would like more information on Ought Imagination and the podcasts that we host on our website, you can visit A-U-T-I-M-A-G-I-N-A-T-I-O-N A-U-T-I-M-A-G-I-N-A-T-I-O-N.org.